And with that, we welcome you into the One Giant Podcast Mock Draft. Andy Makowitz, how dare you, sir, for denying me the opportunity to mock draft these past handful of weeks. I'm not saying it was the wrong decision. I'm just saying I don't like being denied. Listen, now that uh, the stay-at-home mandate has been put in in many states, you can mock draft to your heart's content. You know what? Fair is fair, sir. At the end of the day, uh, we obviously, as we had said, we wanted to wait a little bit, let free agency kind of settle down so that we knew what pieces we brought into the team, and that way you knew how it was going to adjust as far as what our targets were going to be. A great example, even though this may feel like a very small footnote kind of thing, the fact that we went and signed a tight end in free agency and we already have a couple guys on our roster, that was listed as a need for us in the NFL draft. Now all of a sudden you say, okay, take that one off the board, right? Big name signing Bradbury obviously bumps down the need for cornerback into potentially the mid or later round. So all of those things are big factors. We waited just long enough, as long as I could possibly hold out. And now we go ahead and we dive in here with our post-free agency mock draft. Well, Adam, the other the other most important thing is the reason why this is important for the listeners is because the NFL and Roger Goodell announced that the draft will go on as planned. April 23rd to the 25th, there was a lot of talk about them pushing it back because of you know, the current situation um, with uh, the pandemic going on. And a lot of the teams and a lot of media have been giving them blowback. And uh, you know, in a time where you should feel sorry, Goodell and the NFL doubled down and basically said, if you say anything negative about our strategy, you will be fined or suspended or lose picks. Like whatever, whatever it is that you want, my friend. But we're drafting on the April twenty third. But by, by the way, of course, of course, that's what Roger Goodell said, right? Like it, it wasn't anything about like listen, we understand, but there's a need for sports. We, you know, whatever we're taking into account how some of the owners feel. No, it was how dare you, you son of the guns? And if I hear another word from my own league that I'm paid by to be your commissioner about how maybe we shouldn't do this. I'm cutting heads. Up to, uh, it was amazing. It was perfect. It was it was so apropos for Roger Goodell's NFL commissioner status. So we won't uh, we won't do too much belaborment uh, on this one little side note here. We're doing a little bit of a uh, live video recording as well that we're going to be utilizing as we go forward in the podcast. For those of you listening, you don't get to see our beautiful faces. But what's nice about it is before we kick off this mock draft. Visually, people are going to go ahead and see this. You uh, at home listening won't. But we're pulling up the screen here where you just let you know. Some trade scenarios come across our board. And let's just say that it's happening right as we're hitting that selection opportunity. Uh, now, there's a couple of opportunities here for us. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, they put together a package where they want to give us the first round 13th and 31st pick along with the 10th and 30th pick in the fifth round to come up to number four. And we also have on the table the Las Vegas Raiders offering the 12th and 19th pick in the first round so they can move up on the board. I'm going to let you talk about the the Vegas angle on this, Andy, and why this makes sense from their standpoint. Uh, First, though, from a San Francisco perspective, the reality is here that this is a team, obviously we know they lose in the Super Bowl. They're probably just a piece away, and maybe you could make the argument that they want to come up. They, however, after the first round, do not have any picks until the fourth. The more likely option, I think, for them would be to stay at 13, that pick that they picked up making the trade with the Indianapolis Colts. 
take the best player available, maybe target a wide receiver for themselves. And then if they want to get some more collateral in this draft, they can trade back from 31. So I just think maybe it's going to be an opportunity, but it seems unrealistic that the 49ers are going to take four of their limited draft selections to come up. And maybe if they want to go after a wide receiver, really, you're you're talking about a deep position in this draft. It just seems like a, a bridge too far for me. Yeah, and 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 to add to your point, Adam, I think the San Francisco 49ers, people would say, what's the position that they need? Do they need quarterback? Well, they have Jimmy Garoppolo signed, right? Don't need a quarterback. Don't need to use all that draft capital. Do they need a wide receiver? Well, maybe, but it looks like Debo Samuel came on in the last eight to 10 games of the season. Looks like he could be a real presence for the offense. You already have, you know, Kittle there sitting at tight end. You have some explosive pieces at running back. You have kind of a good setup. Would they trade up for Okuda? Maybe, but Richard Sherman had one of his best years of his career. It, it just doesn't make sense that they would mortgage the future when there's not a glaring hole with the 49ers. I mean, they were up you know, going into the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. It's not like you pointed it and say the reason they lost is because of X, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. Now, on the other side of it, and you can maybe see where we're going to lean here, because how we wanted to present this was, just so people have a framework, we came into this mock draft saying, we had done a mock draft previous where we didn't offer any trade opportunities. We just stood pat at every round and made our selections to see what we were able to to accomplish. But in, in this scenario, what we're talking about is really what would be the most beneficial for the New York football giants and a trade back scenario is certainly something that needs to be on the table for us. And then we're also going to say it is possible if we want to, at some point in the draft to package and trade up. We know we have a lot of seventh round picks. That's where we're going to cap it. So we're not going to, this isn't a free for all where we get to trade down and trade down, you know, seven or eight times and all of a sudden have 43 seventh round picks. We're locking ourselves in to those parameters And when this Raider trade comes across the board, it makes a ton of sense. And why does it make sense? Not just for us, obviously, getting a 12th and 19th in the first round. Why are the Raiders making this move, Andy? Yeah, so as you said, uh, the the parameters of the trade are the Giants are trading the fourth overall pick for the Las Vegas Raiders' 12th pick in the first draft and 19th pick. And as you said, you know, we need to accumulate assets uh, as a New York Giant fan. Why would the Raiders do this? The, the simple answer is they are moving to a new city. They are moving into a shiny new building in Las Vegas. They have the glitz and the glamour. They have the head coach that signed the 10-year, $100 million contract. He's not going anywhere. So he he wants to build something great, but he also knows that the ownership is looking to be able to sell some tickets and sell some main attractions. And so for me, you know, I think the reason why this is getting proposed to us is that they're identifying a potential star player on offense or defense that they can really sell to the fan base, sell jerseys, and also fill a need. And if you look at the Las Vegas Raiders last year, I think one of their biggest needs was wide receiver. They Mm -hmm. traded away Amari Cooper previously for a first-round pick to the Dallas Cowboys. They left a a gaping hole, you know, Tyrell Williams, played pretty well and, and uh, you know, had a few touchdowns early on in, in the season, but his uh, catch rate and touchdown rate wasn't sustainable. And they saw that over the rest of the, of the, the season. I think they're looking to a wide receiver in the first round, like a Jerry Judy or a CD lamb, or, you know, as the Raiders have been known for going for the fastest guy on the planet that can run out the back of the end zone before he catches the ball, like Henry Ruggs. 
Yeah, and listen, at, at the end of the day, it, the funny part I think about this would be to say that wherever they end up going, and, and by the way, we're both running a separate, we're both running our own separate mock drafts. So we set ourselves up to have these same scenarios play out at the start, and then everything that happens from there, where Andy chooses to go and where I choose to go, is obviously going to move these drafts in different directions. But the funny thing for me is we just talked about how Pro Football Focus came out with that crazy mock draft where the Giants go after a wide receiver at full, shame them out the door about it. Whereas for the Vegas Raiders to come up there, like you said, making a move to a new city, feeling like you actually have taken these leaps these last couple of seasons, and, and you're maybe on the verge of being able to have a run when if you can make yourself into the playoffs. So, you know, team by team dictates what where you think you should be going or where you maybe need to go. So all of a sudden, making a move like this for the Las Vegas Raiders – makes a ton of sense for them. And now and you can then they can go a lot of different ways when it comes to that that pick at the fourth overall and we'll see how it plays out for each of us in our different mock drafts. But as you can maybe tell, we go ahead, we both made the decision to go ahead and accept these trades. However, there is a reason for me personally why I ended up accepting it. For you Andy, you basically said if this if a trade opportunity comes, you feel like that's the best situation for the Giants to trade back and get a couple of picks there. So you were going to go for it. If you got a nice offer, you were going to take it, right? Yeah, my, my position on the fourth pick is even if we have to sell the fourth pick 80 cents on a dollar, I'm willing to do that because I do believe that we need more assets and we need more weapons. And I don't think the drop off for what I'm trying to do from four to 12 is as big as it would be in other years. I think there's different tiers of players for different positions and what I'm targeting, I still can kind of get 80 cents on the dollar and pick up a first round pick in the process. So, and by the way, it sounds logic, just to be clear. One of the things that I was concerned about or that I was going to be interested to see was I thought that if I play out the first three picks and I see Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons sitting there for me, I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind of torn. I feel like I can get in this, you know, Swiss army knife, he plugs in a lot of holes, can work at linebacker, can even flex to the edge, can drop in coverage. We, we know the litany of attributes that you can describe him with. But for me, what ends up happening on my end is he gets taken at number three to the Detroit Lions. So they go ahead and give themselves a great defensive weapon. And then when the Raiders come to me with this offer, all of a sudden it makes it a lot easier for me to accept this trade as opposed to maybe having to think about it, uh, you know, and, and maybe a little bit like Dave Gettleman. There's that element of boy, that best player on the board. How do you how do you pass him up? And that would be Isaiah Simmons potentially there. Well, for for me in my mock draft scenario, <clears throat> where I got the same offer as you did from the Raiders, um, Derek Brown, the the defensive lineman from the Detroit Lions, was uh, the uh, Detroit Lions took Derek Brown with the third pick. So Isaiah, mm -hmm. Isaiah Simmons was there, and I do believe that he's a Swiss Army knife, and I do believe he's good at a lot of different things. I just, I, you know what? I just want someone great at one thing. That's what I'm thinking about. And I just want someone that does one thing really, really, really well. And I know what the area of need is that we have right now. No, 100%. I don't think there's any wrong way to slice that. And that's why, again, I may still have taken the offer, even if Simmons was there for me. Uh, but I certainly would have taken a pause, maybe just had that oof, that war room that war room panic where I'm not sure which way we're going before ultimately pulling the trigger. With that being said, we go ahead and dive in on our mock draft. We'll go ahead and see which directions we're going to go in this first round and then all the way through as we dive in 
on the One Giant Podcast Mock Draft. All right. So, Adam, after the trade back, I can kind of show you what my board is looking at. And if you can look at the screen here, uh, man, there were some interesting decisions between uh, the fourth pick, which we traded to the, to the Las Vegas Raiders, and the 12th pick, which is where we're selecting now after making the trade. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, without going through all the different details in the middle for the people that are listening on the podcast, um, what's interesting is with the fourth pick, um, as we talked about, the Raiders decided to go with the wide receiver, but not the wide receiver. We thought they went with just, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver out of LSU, who, you know, humble brag, this podcast has spotlighted numerous times as a guy in the third or second round. Now, all of a sudden, he's going up to the fourth pick. A little bit of a reach for me. He's jumping, but, he's jumping a handful of wide receivers there. Like he's yeah. jumping Judy, Lamb, Mims. Uh, there's another guy at the top of the second. I think there's not a lot of names falling off there. He's a good player, by the way, though. I like him. Um, but I think it still serves the purpose, right, to your point of what you thought Vegas would want to do. Yeah, and so <clears throat> quite a few offensive tackles went off the board. Obviously, Akuda and Simmons went off the board now that we've been pushed back to 12. And the draft fell exactly how I wanted it to fall, Adam. Uh, you know, the Jets had the 11th pick right before me. And in typical Jets fashion, they botched it by taking Henry Ruggs third <laughs> when there was still a premier off- offensive tackle. So they just want Sam Darnold to get killed while he's throwing incompletions down the field to wide receivers. They went with the speedster Henry Ruggs third. It is a huge position of need for them. You know, they signed Perriman, but man, they do need wide receiver help as well. They went with Henry Ruggs, which opened me up to trading back from the fourth pick to the 12th and getting my number one offensive tackle that's on my board that I would take in that four, which is Andrew Thomas anyway. Listen, this is a nice pick for you, right? I mean, uh, the, the, the having the board fall for you in that way really has to feel like a, a godsend. And, and like you said, while this may seem a little bit atypical, obviously we know the Jets have a need there. Yet at the same time, it's kind of Jets-esque to make a bit of a blunder and want to replace uh, you know, Anderson, who's outgoing. Obviously, we know Sam Darnold needs a weapon, but it seems like they make the wrong move and, and it falls into your lap. Why are you so excited to be able to get Andrew Thomas there as well? Yeah, so I've been uh, you know, across. Uh, uh, over the course of the NFL season and the NCAA season, I've been very high on Tristan Wirfs. I told you that he's going to be a freak of nature. You know, he's he, his combine spoke for itself. He was absolutely a beast showing his athleticism. But at the end of the day, Andrew Thomas has played in the SEC. He has been a left tackle the entire time. He has played against the premier pass rushers at Alabama, at Florida, at LSU, constantly and he moves the line of scrimmage. And 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 the biggest thing about Andrew Thomas is he just doesn't give up sacks. And if we know what's going on on our offensive tackle position for the last two years, it's been a disgrace. And so having a guy like Andrew Thomas basically turns, turns to the Giants fan base and says, we are helping out Daniel Jones. We mm-hmm. are giving him pass protection. But we are also helping out Saquon Barkley. We are also giving him a little bit more of a push to get three, four yards instead of three. We are also helping out Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard because we're going to give you guys that extra half second to get open down the field. It literally shores up so many things on offense for an offense that I feel is one or two pieces away from being a top seven, five five to seven offense in the entire league. 
Yeah, a hundred percent, man. There's no, there's nothing not to like about it. Uh, obviously, if my board had fallen that way, man, I feel like this is going to be the theme about the draft, right? At four, if Simmons had been there, I would have had a difficult decision to make. Certainly, uh, instead, all of a sudden, uh, unlike your board, I don't have to worry about potentially having the issue of trying to figure out. Well, Andrew Thomas is there, and by the way, if he's there on my board, I probably get pretty excited about it. And, and I want to go ahead and run to the podium with that selection, knowing that I'm securing uh, the options for our team at the left tackle position. Instead, uh, as we highlight on my board, sharing that screen now for the viewers, Andrew Thomas is selected by the Jets at number 11. So effectively, you know, a lot of these scenarios we talked about, Isaiah Simmons goes to the Detroit Lions, takes him off the board for me. In that trade that I make with the Las Vegas Raiders, they try to shore up the defense by actually going Jeffrey Okuda there. So some other dominoes fall, including Christian Wirth, Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, and Andrew Thomas all are taken off the board for me. So that big group of four top offensive tackle talents are not available for me. And that's what makes it possible for me to go ahead and look at this board and say, who are the best players available for me? And how am I going to improve the New York football giants team? Knowing, listen, the offensive line is not, is not going to get addressed here right now for me. So I start to go down the list here. I have, I still have Jerry Judy out there on the board for me. But no, friends, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going with the offensive weapon here at 12. It, it's a, maybe a little bit tantalizing, certainly. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and move past Javon Kin, Kinlaw, Henry Ruggs. The third is there as well. I go right past edge rusher AJ Esp, uh, Epinesa. I hate that last name, friend. I, it just does not roll off the tongue at all, and that's why I'm not drafting him. The reality actually is that I know that we need to address an area of need. And that's why I go ahead and select uh, Clavon Chason out of LSU, edge rusher. He's ranked 15th on the board here for us. Listen, this is a guy that comes in out of LSU, obviously playing in premier program in college, six foot four, 254 pounds, comes off of a 60 tackle season with six and a half sacks. He's fast, has incredible edge rush speed. You're talking about the burst, be able to get around the corner and get after the quarterback, but also has that ability, by the way, to have multiple pass rush moves. So it's not just about a pure speed rush and beating, beating offensive linemen around the edge. He can also go ahead and get into your chest, use some of those swim and chop moves to get past you and attack towards the inside and get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you know, one of the other things that I really like about him and why I think he plugs in really well for the Giants defense is he also has pass coverage ability. So at LSU, at times he was backed off and he wasn't expected to purely rush the passer, passer. So if you talk about plugging him in on this defense at an outside linebacker-ish kind of role, sometimes dropping down and maybe putting his hand in the dirt, you're going to give yourself an opportunity to have athleticism, speed, quickness, and just a high-quality player. I think that based on what we did in free agency, this was going to be a big area of need in the draft. The board denies me a chance at an offensive lineman, and I get a real quality player here at the 12th overall pick. Yeah, and, and uh, I do like that pick. I mean, the way the board fell to you, you couldn't get a linebacker like Simmons who changes the defense from the from kind of that center quarter, you know, center quarterback of the defense position. Uh -huh. you, you were blocked out on the offensive tackle, so you didn't even have that as an, as an option unless you were reaching for a guy that may be a late first, early second. You know, when when you look at Chase on, he's 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 an interesting guy because we desperately need some kind of pass rush right now. We have not re-signed Marcus Golden. We have not filled the hole that Marcus Golden has left. 
We have franchise Leonard Williams, who has, you know, in his career, just not been a sack guy. We need someone that can get after the quarterback in a, in a potential three, four defense, you know, chase on fills that void and he fills that need right away. Day one. So I, Adam, I love that pick. Yeah, listen, I'm satisfied with what's happened so far. The trade down has occurred. We have multiple picks. And now the interesting thing that happens is we go ahead and move our way through those next six selections before we're right back up on the board. And this is the reason why an opportunity to trade down like this is so enticing for the New York Giants. We all know it's not something that Dave Gettleman has ever done but there's always an opportunity to change. And I, and, I, and I think when you look at this board and the available players from that 10 to 20 range, you really can see how you can double down on your value and get more than just one quality player at the top end of the draft. You can get multiple. So now as we walk down our boards here, we find ourselves sitting there at 19. As we said, now Andy's board has gone a different direction, right? All of a sudden – the Jets don't go for the offensive tackle. It leaves them available there for Andy to select. What need do you now look at for the New York football Giants having taking offensive linemen off, off that board? So, Adam, that brings us to the 19th pick in the first round. You know, this is the extra asset that we picked up by dropping eight spots in the first round with the Las Vegas Raiders. And I got to tell you, it is enticing. And I love this situation for the Giants especially with the way the draft fell for me. Um, you know, I was able to pick up uh, offensive tackle Andrew Thomas with the 12th pick, who I thought was the best tackle going into this draft. So I basically got the guy I wanted at four and picked up, a, a you know, another first round pick for it. And as you can see on the board, there is a ton of top 10, top 15 talent still available, uh, depending on on what your need is. And, you know, Javon Kinlaw is a an amazing player, but just doesn't really fill a, a position of need for us knowing that our defensive line is pretty stacked and stout. I would say that's one of our biggest strengths. Um, you know, Adam, I want to be different and I want to be unique and tell you that your uh, intuitions are wrong, mm -hmm. uh, but you were right to pass over, uh, you know, AJ uh, Epinesa from Iowa. The more I, I watch his film, the more I read more about him, he is better suited to be a pass rusher in a four, three defense it sounds like the Giants are, are fully committed to that 3-4 defense based on the, their signings and the way that, uh, you know, the defensive scheme is going to run. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on Clay Vaughn Chasen. I think he is an absolute dream for the Giants' defense, you know, being out on that edge. You you talked about all of his athleticism before. You talked about how he just shows up on the screen when you watch it. I don't think I need to overspeak it. You already talked about why you love him uh, at, at 12, I love him even more at 19. Well, no, and listen, it's great that you talk about, uh, Espenza, Espenenza. It's never going to happen friends. Uh, it, but, but you're right though. It, it is again, you always have to think about in the draft. It's not just about the quality of the player. It's also about scheme fit. Now, if you're talking about an otherworldly talent, you're not necessarily going to worry about whether or not he quote plugs in, you know, to your, to your system or not, you're going to bring him in and you're going to let him do what he does. I think Simmons would be a guy like that. Probably at the top of the draft where you say, no, he's a, he's a great talent. He's going to be effective for us. We'll figure it out. Uh, whereas at this point of the draft, I think you do start to look a little bit in that mid first round and wonder about how they're going to plug in. And um, listen, man, it just feels good. I go ahead and raise one good arm over my back and a few firm pats for having a job well done there. Now, on the other side of things, obviously, I did not get the opportunity to address the offensive line. 
And fortunately, unfortunately for me, when I look up at that big board now, I wish that there was some opportunity here for me to say, man, you know, where do I want to go? Is there an offensive lineman for me? As you take a look here, you know, Ezra Cleveland goes off the board at 18 to the Miami Dolphins. That's okay by me, just in case anyone's wondering. I'm not that high on him. I do not think that he is a first-round talent. I know even a lot of mocks, you're seeing him get projected to go early in the second as well. What you've seen in this board on my end is that with those four those four high-end offensive linemen being taken so early, this is that first indication that, hey, there's going to start to be a run on some of these offensive linemen. So if you're looking to address one of those needs, you may have to make that selection a little bit sooner uh, than you planned on doing. However, since I took Chase on at 12 and addressed that edge rusher need, now I look over my board, right? Listen, Kenneth Murray is out there at the linebacker position. While I probably think that it'd be a nice addition into the room there, I hesitate because we have brought in Blake Martinez. We brought in Fackrell, Connolly back from injury. I think we have, you know, we have some warm bodies in that room. And I just added a nice edge rushing talent at the 12th pick. So I work my way through here and listen, I come up on Xavier McKinney and we can talk about the value of the, of the position and when you want to be making that draft selection. But when I look at the board here an offensive tackle, the next possibility might be Austin Jackson for me. I think it's too early to be taking a player like that at 19 overall in the first round. So I pull the trigger on Xavier McKinney. He's ranked 20th on my big board overall. So the value and in terms of where I'm drafting, it fits an incredible need for us as well. We didn't address this in the free agency market outside of Ebner, who we all know is a special teams contributor for us. Listen, six foot guy, 201 pounds. This is a guy that can step down into the box and be your eighth man there. If you want him to help defend against the run, he can drop back and play that deep high free safety for you and just ball hawk away. He also showed the ability to cover tight ends and wide receivers. I mean, he he is a, a jack of all trades and not necessarily in that bad way of maybe saying, Swiss Army knife. He does a little bit of this and that. No, the safety position, when you talk about being able to do everything that you want a safety to do for you, this is going to provide a fantastic athletic speed option there in the back end of the defense. And if I look at our roster, it also allows me to say, guess what, Julian Love? I liked when you stepped in and filled in for Peppers, but we just went ahead and made you a very versatile moving piece. We can work you down into the slot potentially if we want to and take some of the pressure off of position in dime and nickel packages that was an issue for us last year. So I go ahead and double down on defense in the first round. I feel like I give our our, our team two more quality bodies. And, and between that and free agency, now all of a sudden we walk out of this first round with our head up going, guess what? We may have already kind of taken that big leap forward on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and, and Adam, I, I can't dis- disagree with you on selecting a safety. Now we may have a difference of opinion on which safety to pick. I think McKinney is is a really good talent. He's got a first round grade. Um, I would have gone Grant Delpit of of LSU, but that that's just me. He's he's six two. He's got an extra fifteen pounds on McKinney. He seems like a bigger guy. You know, he he's kind of my my flavor for uh, who I want to match up with with Peppers. Uh, but I, I really can't fault you on that. We need help all over the place. I talked about how in free agency, we probably needed to sign another veteran safety to complement Julian Love. You're expediting the process here and, and being able to get someone that can compete or start right away. That's what you expect the first rounder to do. I, I love the pick. We need help on defense all over the place. 
So listen, we, we come out of the first round. It, it wraps up with us actually finding common ground on a particular player. Now, maybe you take a look at the fact that Andy was able to get Chase on at 19, and then you think about what may have been available for me. But I, I think if these scenarios play out where an offensive lineman isn't available for Andy, all of a sudden he's you're going to have to shift your mentality a little bit. So depending on how these boards fall, I think what you get to say is, boy, Las Vegas Raiders want to make this trade and we get the 12th and 19th pick. There's obviously a handful of fantastic options for us. And, and at the end of the day, we're going to be able to come out of that first round having two starters at key positions on either side of the ball for the team. So this to me, and, and we talked about it before we got into this, just about the idea of would I want to trade down? Would I want to stick? I was a little hesitant on it, but walking through these scenarios and starting to see how these boards can fall this really affirms that idea that if this trade offer comes knocking at Dave Gettleman's door, I think he has to highly consider backing down. That does wrap up our first round of coverage. We're going to go ahead and dive momentarily, friends, into that beautiful second round. Second round kicks off. Andy Makowitz, put down that slice of pizza. Let's dive back in. The, the ticker starts to roll. A few picks come off the board, and there you are sitting at four, friend. Adam, I feel really bad. I do. Just because There's no need for that. While while you're making some excellent picks, the the board is just it's almost like I'm seeing the board differently than everybody else today, you know? It's it's one of wait, those wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you seeing the board differently than everybody else or is everybody else seeing you know, everyone else is seeing the board differently and they're just giving you all of these fantastic pieces just throwing rose petals at your feet. No, they're they're just nervous. I'm making such great moves that they're they they start making irrational picks. They don't know what they're doing. And, you know, if I if I scroll down, the first couple of picks off the border, Ezra Cleveland, you know, Terrell Lewis, the edge rusher, and Curtis Weaver. I, I wasn't really while well, we can use all the offensive line help and edge rush help that we need, mm. it wasn't really the area of need that I've been kind of looking for, you know, in this in this round. And when I look at the board, I look at, uh, you know, Kinlaw sitting there at nine. It, it almost feels criminal to not take him in the second round, his fall from, from grace. You could almost immediately pick him up, uh, rescind the franchise tag from Leonard Williams and sign Jadavian Clowney and be in a better situation. But I digress, right? right. Um, he, he certainly will just not be there. We don't need a running back and we don't need a mid-round defensive lineman. But sitting there. I just talked about Grant Delpit with you a moment ago, and I love your idea of, of drafting a safety. I think we it is an area of need. We talked before. I, I like Julian Love, but I don't know if he's ready to step in and be that full time guy. And and if you uh, you know draft a guy like Grant Delpit, huge size, good speed, you know, big weight, can throw his body around. I just love this selection for the New York Giants, and I feel like. We've really solidified some areas of need, the, almost the three areas of need that that I feel are most important, which is safety, edge rush, and offensive tackle with three picks right away. Yeah, listen, uh, uh, there's no denying the fact that, first of all, that the, the board has made your process incredibly easy, almost uh, guilt-free in a lot of ways for you to be able to just kind of dive in and address some of these needs. But um, the only thing I think, first of all, Delpit is a great selection, so I'm not knocking that. The disagreement that I was going to throw out there was just that 
I don't know if I'm not – I'm fully confident in Julian Love. What I really think that he showed at the end of last year stepping in for Peppers was, remember, that was his first opportunity to get on the field and see game action. So we actually don't know what his capabilities are at the cornerback position where he played at college. We know that the speculation was you may want to move him to safety. Does he have enough speed to play at the corner position? But I, I, what I really think is same way that I addressed it with McKinney in the first round, picking up Del Pitt at the top of the second, all you get to say is, boy – we filled out now that collection in that secondary unit between Bradbury, whether it's McKinney or Delpit. Then you have Love. I, we both, we both, I think, agree that Baker took a nice step forward towards the back end of the year. So you really feel like you've brought in talent and given yourself a great opportunity to turn that area of the defense around. It's a, it's a fantastic pick. I get why you're saying you feel you feel a little guilty because Delpit. Uh, let's go take go ahead and take a look at my board as I start to think about where I'm going to need to go here. I want to try to find out, you know, and honestly, I'll go ahead and let everybody know Delpit's available for me at the top of this second round. So th that's a very realistic option, regardless of how the boards have fallen. Both of us have that player available 23rd overall on our big board, but safety position, certainly an area that, that can be flexible in terms of when you're going to address it. Uh, you know, I don't think McKinney is necessarily going to be there top of the second. And that's why it feels comfortable to pull that trigger. When we start to think about where I'm going to go at that fourth overall pick, I think the reality here for me is that I knew I went ahead and looked at my board in that first round. I didn't have an opportunity to get an offensive lineman. If possible, I need to address that here at the top of the second. I can't risk waiting into the third round to find an offensive lineman. There's a significant drop-off uh, when you talk about the talent level and expectations on some of these players. Ahead of me leading into it, a guy like Curtis Weaver goes. That's why I feel great about having taken Chase on in the first round because the edge rushers are going to start to tumble here a little bit in the second. Some other players that came off the board for me at the back end of the first, at the 30th pick, Austin Jackson goes away. Uh, uh, Lucas Nang also came off the board there at the top of the second round. But to be honest with you, I feel a little guilty, Andy Makowitz. Because I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the board, and listen, there's going to be a handful of players that I'm moving past. But by the way, I've addressed it safety, so I don't have to worry about Delpit being there. I'm not going to wide receiver just yet. It's not high enough on my board. Because I brought in McKinney and we got Bradbury in free agency, I'm not looking at cornerback. I'm not worried about defensive line, as you highlighted. I've already taken care of edge rusher. Center, too high for me here at the top of the second round. So I go ahead and ease myself on down the road. And I go right back to Georgia, friend, right where you found Andrew Thomas. And I find Isaiah Wilson sitting there waiting for me. This is a player that a lot of people thought if he chose to go back to uh, Georgia, he would have taken over at the left tackle position for Andrew Thomas and probably just would have done nothing but improve his draft stock. Six foot six, 350 pounds, has athleticism, has quickness. The, legitimately, they think he would have been starting at left tackle if Andrew Thomas hadn't been there this past year. So what I think you get in a player like this is a guy that uh, certainly could step in and play if you wanted to and maybe take a couple of lumps. Uh, he, he is a little bit raw in terms of the pass protection. You want him to maybe just fix up a couple of technique issues. But the beautiful part about this is, and we talked about it on the podcast, if you want to think that Joe Judge maybe feels like there's something there in Nate Soldier, and you know that we brought in Fleming to compete with Nick Gates over on the right side of the line, bringing in a guy like Wilson, who I think you could make the argument could come in and start for you day one, 
Now he can go ahead and sit there. He can learn. You can let him get into OTAs and training camp. If he beats out Nate Soldier, by the way, we got a really expensive backup left tackle. I think that this is a player that is going to be a starting left tackle in the NFL. We go ahead and address that need that I have to address here. And luckily for me, while you can say maybe I could have gotten him a little bit later, we don't have that pick at the top of the third round. I can't risk him being off the board here. In a lot of these mocks, he's already gone. When I get here, I'm happy that he's available for me, and I, and I make the selection, and I feel fantastic about it. By the way, what have we both done? We both addressed what we thought were the three key needs, offensive tackle, safety, and edge rusher. And and Adam, uh, you know, I love, I love the pick because you are shoring yourself up in the three areas, as you just mentioned. What I do love is, is two things. One is you took the offensive tackle that couldn't switch to left tackle because of Andrew Thomas, who just happens to be the guy that I took in the first round of the draft. So, you know, I, it, it speaks volumes. If you love, <laughs> you know, Wilson, then it just only speaks volumes about the first round pick that I took. Right. Well, and by the, yeah. By, by the way, man, like we, we've talked about this and I got into it. Good discussions on Twitter about it where you, you and I said this, Right. How does the player that arguably came out of college heading towards the combine as the best left tackle available in the draft, how has he become the fourth best when you look a lot at a lot of these big boards? I think that it could be a tremendous benefit for the Giants in your scenario where he just drifts on down the board to you, but there's nothing that Andrew Thomas did on tape that suggests he's going to be anything other than a surefire, locked-in technician at the left tackle position. So I think it's only a benefit if that option plays out for you. And then even if we miss out on him, you can see how these this board can fall in the first round and into the top of the second where the Giants still get to address a lot of their key needs. Well, and, and the second thing I was going to mention was it sounds like you have been listening to my podcast uh, of the five things to, to make sure that we have a successful remainder of the offseason. And that was under no circumstances do we take a center in the second round, no matter how many are sitting up there. And I saw your cursor go through one, two, three, four different centers to get down to Wilson. So I, I just appreciate all the love that you're giving me right now, Adam. Well, you know what? Listen, man, it, it, it is 100% the reality of it. I think when you go back to when we were first getting into these type of mocks, like pre-free agency, when we were talking about where the Giants going to need to go, I think that we've been able to learn a lot about how the team feels about a lot of different positions. And while I think that addressing the center position will at some point be important in this draft for the Giants, the interesting thing to me is, you know, Joe Judge comes in. Okay, you have Spencer Pulley, and you're you're wondering if your you know injured Jalapio is going to come back. I, I make the case, same thing, kind of around Nate Soldier, right? That listen, I think there's a little bit more confidence about the line internally. They played pretty well, you know, down the stretch of last season. So there there are some things to hang your hat on there. And from that standpoint, I don't think you can reach and say, could we get better at center? Yes. But do we need to get better at center? Not necessarily, right? You can get by. And it's, it's a credit to you. It really is a credit to you because you can't overvalue the center position. I think that a lot of these guys, while there are some good attributes there, there's also similar talent levels in the third, fourth, and even the fifth round. So it'll be interesting to see. I have, I've had my eyes on some guys in some of the later <laughs> rounds that I'd like to bring in the door, and hopefully I get an opportunity to take them. But you're 100% right. I listened up on that podcast. You know, I'll tell you what, man. The One Giant Podcast is not bad. It's got some good information on there for the it's people out there. It's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good. And, and as you said, at the end of the day, we're through round two. We've accumulated another first-round pick. Coincidentally, we have 
one similar player, but two different, but we addressed all the three positions that we felt were the biggest need for the New York football Giants. It's a quality first and second round, and now we look forward to long wait in the third. 